2: That plush, And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST.
1: Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense. But we are a sub-science here to make things make sense.
3: Today we are talking to Raven the Science Maven about elitism in science, about her journey of science communication and her dissertation actually on the subject, and how she became the world's most famous rapping scientist. Um, Um, I want to
1: harmonize with you. Okay, harmonize. Uh, That was good. Was that actually it? It was yeah, it was interesting that you went down. Oh my god, well some people harmonizing in the third is always easier. Wait, so what did uh, I do? Uh, you went... Uh, well, now I forgot. Uh,
4: uh,
1: that's where you went. Which is, some people say, very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> some right? people say the most interesting. I'm Bjork! Like, you could be. <laughs> you definitely would feel confident enough to make Bjork decisions in a way that I never could. Yeah, and then people... But but the thing is that <laughs> Bjork is a beautiful you musician. Just, no, you just made a Bjork decision. You bought some <laughs> tank top. That's way too short, but it's actually really cute and looks good. I love how you you saved yourself there. I was like, way too short, huh? No, I just feel really, like it was funny when it arrived. It, like, where did you got it from? Some vintage, like yeah, I shop store. on
3: Grailed, which is like I sh- my oath to myself as I only shop secondhand. Here I am buying this shirt from Koala Lumpur. It was shipped from Malaysia. <laughs> You're like, But it's secondhand. I'm like, when I think about the carbon footprint of that, I'm like, mm, I don't know if that's any better than what I
1: need to do. I need to rethink what that was about.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but yeah, it's very short. If I- Well, when you opened it, I was like, I thought you were laughing because you. I thought you like accidentally got a child's shirt at first. <laughs> no, okay, that's so funny. Was- but it's not. When you put it on, I was like, okay, no, that isn't. But it- I really like a short Short cropped shirt on the
3: waist. You love that. And if not, know what I will you do. You love to show a little belly. Okay, that is not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying I will tuck in thine shirt to pants to create the short crop look of a shirt. Or like the sweater I'm wearing right now, I will prefer like the fit
1: to be. Oh, like tight. Tight. So that or even if short fit- and tight on the belly. Right. To create yeah, no, a silhouette I, I like a of- shirt that has a good elastic belly like base because you can kind of choose then, you know, like then y- you can have it come up a little higher or yes, you can like pull it down. But exactly.
3: Um, I like to have the choice, but I also like this, for example, they've done all of it for me. And if I, if I put my hands up, then you're almost getting my nipples out. It's yeah. Like short. you can't even tuck it in because if you lift
1: your hands up, it's just going to come untucked.
3: And it's in very good condition. The person said only wore it twice.
1: And I'm like, is it because it's not <laughs> practical like, it's as too, a shirt? too short. No, I just gotta be confident. I think um, that's fun. I don't have. I haven't got like a fun new piece of clothing in so long. Well, that's totally fine. We're in a pandemic. Uh, the world is
4: gray.
3: What <laughs> <laughs> did you want? Oh, what did
1: we learn this week? <laughs> i could tell tell oh, you. Were like, let's just. All right, I thought you might <laughs> harmonize the note, and I bet you'd go up a third, not down a really interesting fourth or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> nah, okay. Um, interesting, actually, about talking about music. My study uh, this week is about music. So. Do you, I, Greg always has music in his ears. Like it's actually sometimes disturbing to me. I'm like, you're going to lose your hearing. I already time. have. Whenever we watch TV, I'm like, can you turn it
3: up there? And yeah, i like, I'm like my
1: ears thing. hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so uh, I was going to ask, when you study or work, do you listen? What kind, like I know always. you do listen to music, but what kind of music do you listen to?
3: Okay, so I have a, I always have a working Spotify playlist. So currently I am in Spring. 2021. So every time the season shifts, I start building the playlist of that season so that in the future I can go back,
1: listen to those songs and be teleported to that
3: feeling of that. So
1: time. you're telling me though, like do you listen to like pop music while you work or music that's like contemporary? It's
3: contemporary music. And the thing is because it's on that playlist, I have listened to it numerous times that it's, it's not it's kind of a new music experience. At that point. Yeah. So when I listen to new music and like, I'm studying or working, I consciously, that's when it has to be like, music that you've heard a million times. Never. No, no, sorry. Like, no, not lyrics. Not like, um, or it's like moody. moody. Yes. And, or I'll listen to these playlists because I've heard these songs a bunch and so I don't, my brain isn't like, whereas on like New Music Friday, I'd have to do like a very mundane, like maybe Certain emails tasks, or yeah. something. And then I can actually be like, oh, wait, this song's good. I
1: chose emails. It's like, you probably should be able to focus on emails. That is th- <laughs> no, that is a you issue, babe. You do not need to focus on an email. <laughs> okay, you don't. Fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you don't do emails. actually mine. People are always like, what did you say? I'm like, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Know. You're
3: just like, yes! Exclamation, okay, exclamation.
1: Bitch. Like literally, people are always like, we know when it's Greg <laughs> writing these because we share an email. Because he's listening to me. Um, so not okay. Attention. My study is looking into the impact impact of background music on learning and <gasps> studying and like if it's effective or not oh my god okay and that's why because for me for me i feel that i cannot have music in the background unless it's so background what does that mean like very ambient slow uh, not a single word in sight spotify core yeah or YouTube like music. for me for <laughs> me it's always often Zelda oh. sound soundscapes
3: Oh symphony
1: Yeah it could be classical because But if it's too good like if I love it I'm gonna get distracted I love your eyes rolling back like this classical music too. Honestly if it's a song I love I will not I, I could not listen to my favorite classical song and work at all I love that for you um, Okay so Previous researchers had like uh, varying results, and there's three main theories. One is called like Or effects. One is called the Mozart effect. You've probably heard about it, where it alleges that when you listen to specifically classical music, and they use Mozart as an example, it improves your cognitive ability. Most of the research on this is like quite weak. It was a big thing, but then everyone was like, "This was never." It able seems to like replicate. elitist
3: people in science, yeah, and, and like, elitist Ooh. people in classical music 100%. Being, like, together, we have the best.
1: Yeah, and I, they were like never able to replicate that. (laughs) the second hypothesis is called arousal mood hypothesis where they believe that music makes you feel good and as a result can impact your studying because it makes you you feel positive yeah or like it can motivate you or right to have something fun and then the third one that's been studied is called seductive detail effect which Mm. actually posits that it distracts your brain and (laughs) it makes your studying worse it's too seductive you know what i mean i think that
3: that is <laughs> like i sometimes i'm like it's like i know it's not helping but it's making me like do it right
1: yeah no oh what it's like so funny it's a bit the of last, the, the yeah, arousal second, helps the me one. it's like at least i'm doing something right but i don't think it's keeps like keeps you 100. stimulated okay so this study was looking at those three and okay. testing them in like a group of people where they would test their cognition their comprehension while doing various different music background stuff um Basically, they did not find any correlation between listening to music and improving your learning. So there was nothing that stood out like when they listened to this kind of music or this or in this way, it was like so much better. Sorry, Mozart. What they did find was that uh, in relation to that seductive detail effect, um, when they were testing comprehension in people, people who had a lower working memory capacity, which is just your ability to hold information like in the moment. Uh, People who had a lower ability of that performed worse with background music. Okay, Which honestly even makes sense to me because I feel like you have a much stronger memory and a sense of like being able to hold on to detail. Like I I could look at a map for five minutes and then as soon as the map is gone be completely lost.
3: Oh, well, absolutely freaking love that, map, but. but in other context i can see that with you i also you know the weed has
1: absolutely obliterated my memory so there's that without <laughs> weed i like, would be i always fun. wonder like i feel like you can multitask things and it's like i guess this study and it, it kind of outlines how different people have different capacities for hmm. their working memory. some see, people okay. have a really large one and that didn't mean they were better, but it was the people who had low ones who they like, were, couldn't. Who, it literally would ruin their ability to work. And you're saying that is what you really, I said. sometimes think, but I am able to listen to like soft background music, but there are certain tasks, even when I'm driving, I know this is a, a known phenomenon for people. People often like turn the music down when they're trying to park yeah. or like backing up. Cause your yeah, brain yeah. is actually like, I want to focus. So if I have really focused work. I Whereas often... I love to blast music and then back the car into a pole uh yeah you've literally done that (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) i'm like the music
3: isn't going down and if it sacrifices a bumper it's that the bumper has gone
1: so i thought that was useful um be be smart about how you use music certainly most other things i had come across were like music can be distracting especially if there are lyrics if it's high energy if it's chaotic or if it's um surprising so they were like experimental music can sometimes be unpredictable so your brain's like dealing with lots of random that's so cool i could see why you love that study
3: it kind of validates what you think that's cool i guess yeah so i learned this week about domesticated dogs and so recently they found a fossil in alaska that was ten thousand years old of canis lupus familiaris which is like a domesticated dog Dog of the time yeah like you said how old Ten thousand years. Oh, wow. And so what they realize from this and speculate quite strongly is that when humans came through uh you could just picture modern day Alaska being very close to Russia, came into the Americas like mm-hmm. when you know how like right. indigenous Land, people. Ridge. Yeah, came to the Americas long before the Europeans came mm-hmm. and obliterated it with colonization, and here we are in this really messed up world. <laughs> but prior to that, um, when they came through that that Alaskan bridge, they were coming with domesticated dogs. They they are starting oh, to realize uh, through fossils, yeah. Which that's
1: I- cool. Do you think that that time because they were because that's like pretty northern and like obviously in the winter would have been so cold. Do you think they were like sled dogs, like how we picture huskies? Yeah. Well, they were.
3: From Siberian Ooh. origin. So I picture that kind of
1: cold energy. Yeah. Oh,
3: that's so cute. Yeah, they used mitochondrial DNA to find that, like, and uh, using the mitochondrial DNA, it's kind of a complicated process. But, like, with a bunch of other dog DNA, they were able to speculate that this specific dog was domesticated essentially, like, branched off from a domesticated type of dog 17,000 years ago. Okay. So that's, like, 7,000 years, I speculate, of this dog being, like, you know, around humans wow. and then coming with humans to the Americas around 10,000 years ago. Isn't that cool? That's cool So it's, it's, it's a a re- brand new fossil. So humans too.
1: truly have just
3: had dogs as friends yeah. for so long. Yeah. Like, I
1: mean, there's no way so for them cool. to
3: know anything other than just finding a fossil there like it's not like they knew what the dog was doing right but But still like if it's so close to
1: humans or being buried with human bones or you know what i mean like being able to find traces of that that's so i don't know why i never really thought about exactly when humans started domesticating or working with dogs you know what i mean
3: yeah well i mean that's about something that they're always trying to figure out this is just another clue but it's just sort of wild when you think about God, like I love thinking about those timescales, like ten
1: thousand years ago. Okay, no what else that's, is crazy that's though. Crazy. Like because you talked about bones and digging up bones and going. I was picturing like coming through Alaska and ending up in like Alberta or whatever. And. Spoiler alert! I'm working on an episode on dinosaurs, and it is so crazy to think about finding bones from millions oh of my years God, ago, I know. hundreds of millions of years Paw ago. Takes for that, science communication. No, we like dinosaur binge. No, 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 no. So but it's true. I, I actually <laughs> really want to bring kind of like a dinosaur expert on this podcast because I realized while well, I'm researching the episode for A S A P. Science, I'm working on now. I just, I don't know. I guess I've never really thought I was that into dinosaurs, and then I was just like so captivated like an idea captivated me and then when i started doing research i was like wait yeah why have i never freaked out more about like how crazy it is that somebody would have just stumbled upon like the largest creature that ever lived on earth there's no way this could be fake this is fake yeah yeah (laughs) 100 and then and then it's like in alberta they're literally like there's just like thousands Okay, get him on. Right, okay. It's so interesting. And I'm
3: like, I, I also want to like to sit down with my therapist and be like, because <laughs> I used mean? to love dinosaurs and then it's like, almost like I rejected it like when I came out. Like
1: it was like, it was like, yes, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like this so, weird, like this kind of bro It's like, it it's like, well, like. I'm not
3: going to do that because that was me like, because there was never a gay dinosaur be man straight. before time. Yeah, <laughs> that is exactly the reason. It's because there was not represent. We were not seen represented in the dinosaurs.
1: A hundred, except for like maybe Sarah the Triceratops, who was like a diva. She wasn't necessarily queer, but she like might have been a queer icon. Yeah, I think she has a queer energy. I Either way, it. I loved those movies. I love how we're like trying to figure out
3: how to like anthropomorphize their sexualities. <laughs> but okay. um, oh, dinosaurs. I wonder if there were gay dinosaurs. There had to have been. Are you kidding? There's gay everything, including <sighs> plants. Okay. <laughs> We are about to have the most amazing conversation. I'm so excited to talk to Raven. Uh, We'll take uh,
1: the break. Yeah, take a little break, and then let's chat. This episode is sponsored by Squarespace. Ooh, You know you want a good website. Squarespace empowers millions of dreamers, makers, and doers by providing them with the tools they need to bring their creative ideas to life. An all-in-one platform where you can build a website, claim a domain, market a brand, and even sell unlimited products online with no transaction fees, by the way. We actually have our own website with Squarespace and have for years, like, like five, six, seven years maybe. So this is an Authentico endorsement. It's so easy to use and customize the look and feel, settings, products, and more with just a few clicks. You actually can just sometimes use a template if you want and start to drag and drop stuff to make it look all pretty, but it's also optimized to look great on any device, so it works really well on mobile. When you create a website with Squarespace, you get free, unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed. Not to mention their 24-7 award-winning customer support. Yes, honey, award-winning. Just head to squarespace.com slash sidenote for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SIDENOTE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com SIDENOTE. Today's episode is sponsored by
3: Audible. The Audible app, I'm sure you know about it. It's free, can be downloaded on your smartphones and tablets, and you can listen to audiobooks, podcasts. They now have theater events, literally for your dang eardrums. I personally am obsessed with Audible. I'm currently reading the Ministry of the Future, and I'm also reading fake accounts for a book club. I must say the reason I love Audible is because I've gotten myself into these book clubs and trying to finish books like numerous books in a month is very hard, but when you do it while you're washing the dishes or working out or going on a walk, it helps you get through so many more books. I also have to recommend Claire Danes, Reading the Handmaid's Tale. That is still one of my favorite all-time audiobooks. Claire Danes actually makes the book better and I was crying along with her voice. Visit audible.com slash ASAP science to sign up and new members get 30 days free. As an audible member, you get one free credit every month, which is amazing. I love these credits. They add up over time. If you don't use them, that means you can go into the library and get whatever book you want, a bestseller, a new book, an old book downloaded onto your phone to listen. And the titles are there in your library for the rest of time until you get rid of the app which why would you want to do when you're getting books read to you by claire danes again visit audible.com asapscience this is a way to help our show by signing up to support us here at sidenote that's audible.com asapscience and you know get reading get those books into your dang brains. Study time. Study time.
4: Study time. Study time.
3: So today we are talking to Raven, the science maven, Woo. who is a science communicator, molecular biologist, a Fortune Magazine's 40 Under 40... Ah. You're working to make science more inclusive and real, and you're getting your PhD in science communication. So, we are so excited to talk to you. Thank you for being on the pod, Raven.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. This is one of my favorite podcasts. So, oh, that's
1: so we nice. blush. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to talk not only about science communication, Like that is so cool. Cool that that's like what you study and I feel like I didn't know growing up that that was an option or a thing and now we sort of do that for our living as well but I I would love to be involved in the academic side of that what brought you to that
2: long story short (laughs) um (laughs) so I (laughs) okay so my most of my backgrounds actually in molecular bio um I got my bachelor's and master's degree in there. And I also worked as a corporate scientist. And then I realized that um, I'm not quite like a type A person, you know. And also, corporate science right now is not super diverse. So, What is
1: corporate science?
2: It's the type of work that I'm referring to is like contract research work at a CRO. Uh-huh. And so taking on big contracts from pharmaceutical companies and uh-huh. Doing deliverables like whether it's data or a protein or whatever Uh, yeah so I was doing super cool work it looked different every month and it was actually very fun however um, I really wanted to be in a space where I could utilize more of my social skills and I also it just wasn't lost on me that I wasn't really bringing my work to the community that I was doing the work in. Like Mm. my job was overlooking a homeless shelter and I could see kids on the playground, like playing outside, having fun on my lunch break. And I'm like, I want to bring those kids in the lab. I want to show them like, Hey, I just isolated um, DNA from all these bacteria smells like poop. Like, come come check it out, guys. Couldn't do that, you know, for a lot of different reasons, mostly because of confidentiality and security. But I should still be able to share my science. And that responsibility wasn't really built into my role. Um, In addition to me wanting to exist in a more diverse atmosphere, um, all of those things together, I just didn't really feel like, I wanted to continue in that space so i moved into education and then as an educator i was like this is it this is where it's at like i loved it and i ended up um coming into a science education phd program but my research is not actually necessarily in science ed it's actually in science communication which are two separate fields like i think a lot of people think they're the same thing there's a lot of overlap but there's some distinct differences too
3: So the difference being science education, someone listening would think, oh, we're talking curriculum, like high school education, whereas you science communication, your PhD is like speaking to the masses, getting kids involved in science, but not necessarily through school. Like what sort of ways are you picturing? Like for us, we're obviously like YouTube, Instagram, (laughs) but it's like, is that even what you mean? Or like,
2: (laughs) Well, the real differences between science ed... Um, and science communication are just more so implicit versus explicit. So like in science ed, um, knowledge construction is like explicit. It's an explicit part of science education versus in science communication. It's like an implicit part of the process. You know, we're not necessarily always focused on knowledge construction, but it is definitely a factor in what we Mm -hmm. want and in the outcomes of our, of our work. Um, So it's just kind of like, nuancy things that really occupy that blurred line between the two and then obviously most of science education work is centered in k-12 and science communication is more so communicating science to the general public um if not just the scientific field but for really everyone and not just school-aged children
3: yeah, like science communication. It's so funny because we now, like you know, when we're at the border, we're like science communicators. <laughs> you know, we, we never we never want to say so YouTuber yeah, or yeah. anything because <laughs> like, we're just like ew
1: a like. Well, ew. also for a long time, saying YouTuber, they'd be like,
2: what? ew, <laughs> <laughs> no.
3: I know. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. But science communicator, it has a you know, yeah, a, a little say-queue. more like legitimacy
1: to that <laughs> term somehow.
3: But at the same time, it's like it feels like this term that we only realized started to exist almost as we were it like is that true are there programs that you can go into science communication as a degree like we always hear like smatterings that like it's big in australia but we're like is that real <laughs> well damn okay
2: (laughs) honestly we've
3: literally heard that from people they're like well it's a thing in australia and we're like okay australia calm down okay y'all are chilling we don't want to hear from you right now (laughs)
2: listen um no it is and that i'm on the same page with you guys i didn't realize this was a field either i definitely was like y'all and calling myself a youtuber and like i make (laughs) make science videos on YouTube, I'm a YouTuber. <laughs> and um, no, I've seen people who have master's degrees in science communication. And what? then there are like, yeah, there's, and then there's like programs like the Allen Alda Center for Science Communication that provides formal training to scientists on how to communicate their science. So it's like a growing field. I think in, in the research that I've done, um, it's said that the field's only about 50 years old. Um, hmm. which, you know, in relation to all of science is really yeah. just the blink of an eye, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> but some of us are just still learning about it.
3: So I'm curious because you're um, sort of the way you end up Sort of doing science videos on YouTube, like you started doing beauty videos. Like you're, when I was going on your channel and looking, like you've done a diverse array of things, specifically on YouTube. We also have to talk about your freaking music, which is <laughs> so good. And <laughs> no ah! big deal, but Megan the Stallion, you know, knows who you are. <laughs> so, like, I kind of want to start there. So, you're, you're, speak a little bit about how you started on YouTube. And like, is that how you almost figured out how to be a science communicator? Are they linked or are they separate?
2: Oh, it's definitely linked, but the path between the two is just like, what? So um, <laughs> I started my YouTube channel really trying to fill a gap in the beauty community. The video, you guys can't see the video on the podcast, but I have sister locks, which are basically really tiny locks for your hair. Some people call them like mini dreadlocks, but they're really called sister locks. It's a patented um, technique technique that is actually used to give this hairstyle and it's like a really niche community. So Mm. not a lot of people have this hairstyle. It's a big commitment. Um, they're high maintenance at the beginning, but then as you go on and you're, you know, as you continue to have the locks, they just become super low maintenance and it's just something you work hard for. Um, so it's like a journey that you can document. And when I got these sister locks, nobody was really, Documenting the journey, and everybody was like, Well, I, I want to know what it's like to have sister locks, but I don't have anything to watch. Um, and so I'm like, Well, let me just talk about document- my hair, everyone. Uh-huh. I'm like, Let's just do that. And I really enjoyed um, doing it because I, I kind of veered away from traditional hair care methods. Like, I was doing stuff that a lot of people would never do with their hair. And I won't list all the things, but <laughs> I think I really got a reputation as somebody who wasn't afraid to venture out beyond the bounds of whatever our little niche group had. And um, I think people really enjoyed that. And I started to uh, make monthly videos. And I think that I had done that for about three years straight. And um, around the third year, I started working as a corporate scientist in the job that I described earlier
3: which we now know about (laughs) right now (laughs) means big pharma
2: and deliverables (laughs) yeah deliverables (laughs) Uh, that's the favorite word hello um and I even though my channel was about hair a little bit of my personal life started creeping in and I was talking about like how depressed I was actually in my job and how I really Mm. didn't feel like I was being included and I didn't have a space and then I think the straw that broke the camel's back was I did a vlog one day and I I really had never done vlogs because at the time, you know, working as, as a scientist, you can't really bring your camera everywhere. It's just, you know, whatever. But one day I did and it just so happened to be the day that like one of my supervisors was very disrespectful to me and like it, they were so disrespectful that it sent me to the bathroom crying and my vlog is literally me on the bathroom floor like <laughs> crying in the grossest way okay
1: oh, oh my god um,
2: i have like toilet paper on my face like i'm trying to like wipe oh my, my tears with toilet paper it's like that's like the worst t- paper you can use yeah, anyway It
1: like gets like ripped
2: off yeah it's just like oh my god. yeah you know but i kept that in my vlog because i was tired you know i've yeah. been putting up with so much crap for so long i'm like i'm keeping this in the vlog you guys are gonna see what i'm dealing with here um and when i put it up oh my goodness people started coming out of nowhere saying i am experiencing the same thing every day like i cry in the bathroom at my at my science job mm-hmm. and like i i'm so glad that you put this video up because i would have thought i was alone wow. and i'm like wow and that's when a light bulb went off in my head i'm like i got to keep talking about this you know i have to start yeah. sharing um I have more to share really is, is what I started learning and I didn't want to just talk about my negative experiences, but I I really did want to show people that I not only love talking about hair, but I love talking about science, but also there's work that we have to do um, so that more people like me feel comfortable and feel like they have a space in science. And so I became a science communicator and luckily I didn't lose any subscribers. Like, was, everyone's like, okay, so we're doing this now? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. we're
1: we're going to do this now. So uh, buckle up. And then how did you um, gain or Did you already naturally have the confidence and ability to kind of be that vulnerable on camera? Or had you done that before? Or what were you feeling like? Oh my gosh, am I going to post this? Like, obviously a lot of emotions, but you know what I mean? Like there's a big step to feel like I'm going to share this really vulnerable moment.
2: You know what? whenever I approach a situation where I am hesitant about being real about something, I really have to do introspective work because I do get nervous. I get nervous every time I post a music video. I get nervous every time I make a spicy tweet. You know, I... Your Twitter I just, is
3: amazing. I just have to say that. It's a little spicy, right you
2: know. Way. Might need a Tums. Um, but... but I just have to think, why am I afraid? Mm -hmm. And usually the answer is because of society and that society really does want you to just shut up when you're suffering. They want you to shut up when you have a different thought that might not resonate with every single person on the planet or be politically correct sometimes. they just, People just want you to not say anything. And I'm like, I don't want to suffer in silence. People deserve to know that I'm hurting because my pain is, is valid. And I think that in sharing my lived experience, I can connect with other people and we can maybe come up with some solutions to move the culture forward
1: wow That's that is why That's you such are a good perspective yeah and it is it is so hard like i like i i i can say i i'm sure both of us struggle with that like it's hard when you feel like oh i don't want to a be a burden on other people but also maybe i'm not sure about my own voice or you know what i mean like there's a lot of questions that go through your head even when it is something not emotional like even releasing music i feel that same way where it's like i don't know like Am I, like, do I deserve to try and take up this much space and hope that people like the stuff that I'm or we're making? Also, okay, we need to talk about science.
3: Okay, <laughs> is it not, like, why is it so fucked up? Like, okay, like, <laughs> it's, like, do, do you know what I mean? Okay, like, because we can have this conversation, because I feel like the people listening on this podcast have, got, have we've talked about this enough, because... It's, it's really challenging to explain to a wide audience because everyone pictures science. They think, oh, progressive people, you know, they're like, it's people who are, you know, saying wear a mask as if all of a sudden that means that they're also sort of on this other part of culture. When I'm like, I, I we've been living through this. I'm like... Never going to speak for you. I want you to speak openly about your own experiences, but it's like, I'm like, why does this feel like so much further behind than so many other aspects of culture in my life? Like, I do think there is something up with science and I would love your opinion or like we can even just talk openly here and, we, you know, there's people listening on the podcast. You can like chime in how they feel, but I'm starting to get like I, every day I get more and more frustrated about how backwards things feel. Even when I was looking in sci- looking up science communication, it's like, oh, there's a governing body of science communication, apparently, from, like, 2001 mm-hmm. that's created by doctors and all these professionals that, like, I was reading in Nature magazine this, like, think piece of someone being like, we need to stop having, like, doctors regulating, like, what nurses do. Like, there's always these, like, higher-ups, like, regulating. They're kind of like, you know, it's really dangerous if we have just, you know, lots of different science communicators, cause they might get it wrong. And it's like, just chill the fuck out. Maybe we need more voices. Like maybe we need like, there's just this like energy of, well, there's this energy of homophobia, racism, misogyny, which we can talk about, but also this energy of like, I don't know, this like elitist, like, I'm just curious, like what sort of like, if you can even speak, if like, it's such a big topic, but how you sort of navigate that in your science communication and just, in your life, because I think we just we just can't stop talking about it because it's just it gets hidden in weird ways.
2: Yeah, uh as soon as you started talking about it, elitism came to mind and then you said it, and I'm like, a hundred percent. That's definitely at the core of what all of this is. I mean, hmm. and it's not just for science, but specifically for science, right? I mean, just think about just the ability to read like for me yeah. just thinking about being black black people weren't allowed to read right up until a certain date that was fairly recent you know very recent in terms of our the, the history of our country like we weren't allowed to read like mm-hmm. uh, so elitism who's allowed into these spaces Who's has
5: got- ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row
3: plushcare.com slash weight loss
2: ...running these spaces. Who's been given the privilege to even have the opportunity to get into this space? And then who's making the rules of being in the space? What kind of culture dominates in the space? And quite often it's just the the parts aren't representing, like, the whole, or I guess it's just there's. it seems like there's a monoculture that continues to be pushed on everybody that doesn't represent all of us like we're not all the same and I think some people really kind of lose themselves a little bit trying to fit into science culture and I love what you all are doing um because I feel like you all definitely challenge those those norms that get pushed on us in this culture. You know, I love seeing y'all dance and sing about science. <laughs> it just, it makes my day. Oh, um, thank you. Well, I love okay, well, you though, too. That, that also
1: took a long, like, we didn't start that way. Yeah. We, we were a whiteboard channel and didn't show our faces and didn't show our, like, gay little asses for a reason. Because it was like we were. <laughs> I mean, our asses
3: it. have not been out bare. <laughs> no, no. Uh,
1: yet. <laughs> it's
3: coming. And I would like to, to say that my ass, I've been working on it getting bigger. So it's not a little ass. <laughs>
1: okay, fine. Our big gay <laughs> Clothed asses. (laughs) Uh, But, like, no, for a long time, I feel like... uh, And now, even as, like, I'm turning 33 in, like, a week, and I'm like, it is weird because I feel that I'm just... Starting to, and maybe this is a journey of life that everyone goes through. Like, and queer really, queer people have a different. Yeah, family. like I'm having to really feel and understand who I am, and like realizing, like even being in science has made me think I am away and want to be away or should be away or speak away. Yeah, and some of that might be real, but it's like now I have to navigate, like, who am I actually? Which parts of this science communication and science are are, are genuine, and which parts am I putting on to perform uh. what is? what I think it's supposed to be.
3: I have a question. Do we think that like, there's something about this truth quote unquote of science that like, sometimes I realize it's hard to have conversations with people about racism, homophobia, misogyny, in the sciences. Cause they're like, they go, well, that doesn't matter because we're looking for like the truth. Like, how do you navigate that? Because I feel like that's what we come up a lot against is like, you know, these, let's just like, this is generalizing, but like a, like masculine sounding, like a British straight white man who's very smart, who's like, well, but this is science. You know what I mean? Like we're looking for the best, like the the science is going to speak for itself. Like the, if we get into all these quote unquote soft so, so, social science places, we're going to lose this like essence or something like that to me has always bothered me. Do you think that's part of it? Or am I just like mad about something that's like
2: not mm, real or no? Like, in terms of what you said truth is subjective like true facts are different from truth and a scientist's truth can not be factual you know it's i think i've heard someone say truth is a fact with an opinion or something
3: Mm. (laughs) that's so interesting that's That's so interesting okay yeah
1: yeah oh my god that's like yeah. beautiful and and when you look through <laughs> history well. you can kind of realize that you know like people had facts but they've always been interpreting them in ways to their own benefit or just be to their own time you know what yeah I mean? um but so then i'm curious like you know you talked about having that moment on camera like so what did that lead you to then like to in terms of how how that transformed your like not only science communication but uh like anything else you were doing online like where did that take you
2: um, so I had a moment and I'm trying to equate this moment to maybe something I've seen in television. Um, gosh, I feel like there was a moment, I don't know if it was in Legally Blonde where like she has this epiphany and she starts like ripping up papers and stuff. I can't remember
1: <laughs> it's like
2: what paper. movie, um, I am Elwood's by the way, <laughs> um, but, um You know what? I just had this moment after I had time to reflect um, on my term as a corporate scientist and the things that I had endured and the things that I'd been told and the different ways that people were literally signaling to me that I didn't belong there. Quite. Somebody actually told me that I was a token. Um, Oh, my God. Fuck. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a long story, kind of. But... I was like, I'm done. I'm really done. And I wanted to create content, um, really a masterpiece, honestly, in hindsight, um, of a visual representation of how much I did not care about what anybody thought and (laughs) how much I wanted to shatter these boundaries that people had in science. So, what that ended up looking like was a rap music video um, called Big Old Geeks. (laughs) and in that music video um it's a play on Megan the stallion's song big old freak that had come out that year and nobody knew who meg the stallion was at that time so (laughs) um it seemed like she just started getting popular at that point but i i was i'm still her number one fan but anyway the video is like me in club wear with like three of my friends who are also in club wear and we're doing scenes in a luxury car. We're in a laboratory. We're at a nightclub. We've got lab coats on. Um, I'm like doing PCR in the video. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But the lyrics, like the lyrics are super technical. Um, I'm talking about science. All of this is about science, but if you listen closely, it's also about my narrative, like my personal narrative about being a scientist and um my best friend who's an attorney is also twerking in a leopard print two piece outfit <laughs> so and i put it out there i was super like i don't think i've ever had so much anxiety in my life before putting up that music video um my husband now he was like raven you got to put this video out and i'm like are you just saying that like <laughs> We love <laughs> a supportive right,
1: right. husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, is, is it because you have to say it or is it because it's <laughs> Right. I'm like, are you just
2: saying that because he's like, no, this is what people really That's need so to good. see. And I'm like, all right. So if I if I can't ever get a job again in my life, you know, I know you got me, right? <laughs> like, you got me, right? And he was like, yeah, I got you. So I put the music video out. And and this is actually the centerpiece of my dissertation um, is studying the amazing responses of women really people of all genders all over the world, all different types of backgrounds responding positive to responding positively to that representation. Um, and just expressing online, just thousands of responses of saying, I've never seen anybody, um, visibly so liberated in STEM. Um, it was inspiring to them to see that and that the messaging of the video resonated with them. Like they, they felt like they were me and in feeling like they were connecting with me so deeply, they were able to gain some sort of liberation um, for themselves. And all of that is incredibly powerful and really worthy of like studying scholarly. So that is a part of my dissertation.
3: Oh, that's so wow. cool. Cause it's so true. Like even, it's so interesting to even just hear it said like that, like, Feeling so liberated in STEM, it's like Mm -hmm. it's so deep. That's a really, really yeah. Because it's like there is this weird like repression. Repression when you're interested in science, it's like if you're having too much fun, if you're too funny, all of a sudden your like your scientific brain is less valid. Like Mm -hmm. it's really, really fascinating. I'm so happy that you're studying this because. It's also like we're in the STEM field that if you actually just start explaining things that are quite obvious when you say them, but then, you know, that's when people go like, well, where's the study? And I'm like, well, we got it coming from Raven, the science maven, just wait. But it's like, it that's such a good way of putting it. Like you, you look so liberated and you're in STEM. And culturally, it's like we, for some reason, have cognitive dissonance around that.
2: It's I like, want to say crazy. like being... As I said before, my two degrees are in biology, but for my doctorate, I'm in a social science, studying science education and communication. Um, I want to tell you, it was such a mind trip to make that transition because one of the first things that we learn in a science ed program is how to connect our identities with science. And I want to tell you how difficult it was for you to grasp that as a scientist coming into that program. A lot of the people in that program... Um, are coming from like strict education backgrounds, oh, and I'm true, like,
4: true.
2: I've been using my technical brain all this time. They're talking about um, our cultural identities, and like, I'm like, what, what are, <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, and how to connect yourself with your research, and like, including your, just in appreciating yourself as a part of science versus you just doing the science. Do you know what I mean? It was just yeah,
3: exactly. Like that's, so that crazy. must have felt so liberating. And I think that like now I'm going back to earlier. Like it is, it's elitism. Like I, it's like I'm glad that you took that word and sort of like because I feel like I haven't thought about it with that word, even though I've been trying for years to figure out like how do I describe it. I'm like, it's elitism. It it's is. just like it's this baked in elitism that's so cringy because in every other field, it's like, you don't want to come off like that. Like people even who are, will pretend they're not. But in Mm. science, (laughs) it's like, they're like, no, you have to keep that because like, if you're so smart, then you're so smart and you better like make sure everyone in the room knows that so that they listen and like validate your research or something. Like, It's just like, yeah, like we always can count when we meet someone who's like in our field and is also not an elite. Like we're always like, oh my God, we like hold on to those people (laughs) so deeply. You're like, I love them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And it's like we know who they are. We talk about them. We're like, oh my God, we found a real one. (laughs) I have a funny story about that. So are you all you all are in Clubhouse, right? The audio app, the chat rooms.
1: We like just I have an got Android, it. so I can't be.
3: Oh, Speaking of elitism, we're like, oh, we're actually only on Apple. Sorry, babe, you can't really get into this club. Well, I got
2: I got peer pressured into getting an iPhone, so I'm with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so Clubhouse, it's an audio app. Sorry, I'm looking at the squirrel. It's like shaking on the tree. It's it. Is it okay? <laughs> Spring's oh no. It's just oh, he's scratching himself. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, why are you vibrating that fast? It's weird. Are you going to explode? Um anyways, wow, that's so typical ADHD, right? I just got described by a squirrel. No, wow. I love
3: that though. I'm like it's taking everything in me to not just go full in on the squirrel like so yeah. what's it doing? Tell me everything. <laughs> what color is it? Cuz I love squirrels.
2: That's so typical. I do actually have ADHD, so I'm kind of like, dang. <laughs> anyway.
1: Got
2: it. Um so I I use Clubhouse. It's an audio app and you can go in these chat rooms and it's voice only, no video and talk about whatever you want. And there's topics for different rooms. And quite often during the pandemic, there is a COVID-19 centered room where people are either and these rooms are either opened by people who have conspiracy theories around COVID and coronavirus and all this stuff or Um, medical professionals and scientists who are chipping in information about the disease and and everything that comes with it, the research and the vaccines and all of it. And so uh, what happens sometimes is that the two types of rooms will combine and you will find rooms where there are medical professionals, doctors, scientists, you know, everyone, nurses, everybody and conspiracy theorists in the same room Whoa. trying to talk about are, are, the coronavirus. Are they uh-huh. all
1: speaking at the same time? Or is there, like, people who get to have turn? Like, Or is there just, like, a hundred people trying to talk at once? <laughs> speaking <laughs> of explosions, it's just like... It,
2: so, the culture on Clubhouse is people are normally really good about letting each other speak. Like have um, yeah, and have turns. So, um... So... I did kind of like a little experiment where I just observed how the doctors and all the medical people were speaking and how the conspiracy theorists were reacting to the way that they were speaking about um, their science and the pandemic and giving out information. And so I opened up a different room, right? Because I took notes on what was happening looking at the social interactions, opened up a different room, titled it something along the lines of, I'm a scientist, let's talk about COVID-19. Mm. And people started flooding into the room, like, ah, we got another one. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but my approach was very different from the medical professionals in the other room, where, as you all were saying, the people in the other room were just like, very uppity in the way that they were talking it almost seemed like they were reading from a brochure. Um, it seemed like they were like the the, the information holders. I'm like right. making an imaginary crown on my head. <laughs> um, and my room was like, Y'all, just come in the room, ask me your questions. I'll entertain your conspiracy theories, because you know what? I don't know what your story is. You might have a good reason to think that Bill Gates is microchipping us. <laughs> Maybe Bill Gates did something to you, personally. I, I don't know. I don't know you. Yeah. Um, And I kind of came in there with that mentality. Because people were way more receptive to it when I listened to them, one... And then the way that I gave the information, I let them question me. I kind of let them attack me a little bit because they have these preconceptions of who you are and like what you do. But what happened was I ended up, um, somebody asked me, well, why should I trust you? And I'm like, oh, I don't know why you should trust me, but let me tell you a a little bit about myself. Um, and I basically went into a monologue about my STEM journey starting from when i was a seven-year-old you know and my love for science developing throughout the years and all of the failures and successes that i had had to um have a scientific career and i also emphasized that i also struggled a lot as a scientist and i persevered through feeling left out i persevered through failing at a lot of things and people disrespecting me as i was trying to do my science work and um my My main concern as a scientist is to have people enjoy science and to teach science. And when I was working as a drug discovery researcher, where I was doing work, like a lot of the COVID scientists are doing, my main goal was healing. Like as I was Mm. growing my cells in the lab and running my experiments, I was thinking about my community. I was thinking about healing my community and playing a role in that. And then the people in the room were like, holy shit. And the one guy said, I didn't realize that scientists were people.
1: Yeah.
2: Huh. And then, like, that a is... light bulb went in his head. He was like, I, you know what? I might get the vaccine. I'm like, yeah, you might get the vaccine. Wow. Like,
4: let's, wow. let's go.
2: That, let's
3: go. It's so, that is so freaking interesting. And it's so linked because it's like. Okay, if you think about your music videos, like, we just have to talk about wipe, <laughs> wipe <laughs> it down. So freaking good. Like, just like, okay, so you're sh- people are responding to you saying, I've never seen someone so liberated in STEM. That liberation in STEM is you showing people that you're, that scientists are human. And it's like this weird elite energy thing that we were talking about and that brochure reading, it's like, you don't really... Like, you don't realize how damaging that actually is because now you're realizing that's the reason they're not listening. It's because science has siphoned people like us to like well, be also scared. Well, scientists
1: aren't listening themselves, right? Like You yeah. went in that room and we're also willing to listen to them.
3: But I'm saying to empathize with those scientists, I'm like, it's because when you're thrust into this STEM world, there's like this pressure to lose yourself. That's you know true. what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. if they had... To be that, the science. Like, say that scientist in that other clubhouse had the opportunity, you know, to be themselves, to be like unabashed open about their hobbies their interests to show their vulnerabilities to show that maybe they don't know as much as they do if like that was if if not knowing was like more like accepted almost like within the stem community then that person would maybe then be a better communicator and we Mm -hmm. wouldn't have the issues that like with misinformation that we're all trying to solve like i'm just like there's this other it's like what what scientists think is getting them into a better place is actually like what's hurting them. It's like, we can't have this monolithic nerdy male voice be all we hear. Like it's so damaging, but for some reason we're conditioned to think that's the only voice that can give us valid science information or something.
2: I prefer to do it in a rap music video, Wait, wait,
1: where did you learn, like, do you- Yeah, you're so good at rapping. Do you, like, have you, did you grow up, like, making music, or, like, how did that happen? Like, did you just one day go, like, I'm gonna make a rap album?
2: Uh, (laughs) Um, you know what? I it's something that i've done on and off like i used to make beats in high school i used to rap in high school i actually almost got suspended one time because i made a diss track against somebody oh
4: my god (laughs) they were
2: they were bullying me i don't know why they were (gasps) bullying me because i'm like so nice to people (laughs) and everything
1: this but, is how I'm gonna get them a diss track. I'm like,
2: so know. nice. And then you made a diss track. Interesting. Well, they, because they were trying to fist fight me behind the school. And I'm like, um, no, but I am gonna make this rap song about you and like put it on MySpace. Like that. I will do that. That's so, good. <laughs> so, yeah. With words.
1: So you just, yeah, since then. So you like went for your songs, like you make the beats and stuff as well? Yeah, for most of that them, is if so they're not cool. like
2: kind of like a parody on other songs. Right. Yeah. Yeah
1: oh my gosh and then and then when did you decide it would be what like what was your first science rap was it it was big Big old geeks yeah that was the Uh, first one ever wow that was the first one so you went full in you were like again if i'm doing this i'm doing this
2: i told you like it was a light bulb and i just wanted to burn the whole thing down i was i don't i want to i don't want to say i was angry when i made that song but i was just done i was so over science culture i just wanted to Mm -hmm. burn it to the ground so that's what that video is about but then i did wipe it down uh, after that
3: yeah because i was gonna say well you've you've you're in the process you're doing everything you set out to do like it's so like i know that we just touched on your twitter like quickly but that is really where you have found a really strong voice like your tweets are amazing i think it's interesting to know the backstory of you being like you sometimes get a little nervous or whatever because you speak truth, but that's why your Twitter is so viral and good because it's like, every time I read a tweet from you, I'm just like, oh my God, thank you for saying (laughs) like what I couldn't even really articulate myself. Like, so for that, is that the process when you're communicating science on Twitter? It's like, you're really just honing in on what you're feeling and then doing the work to not be afraid to say it.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I, on Twitter, My main goal is to build community around science. You'll notice Mm. that even though I call myself a science communicator, a lot of the work that I do is building community in science as a science communicator. Um, Being a public-facing scientist that is real, you know, and kind of breaking down those perceptions of what a scientist is and what a scientist looks like. I often amplify other people's science communication because I know other people are doing you know, really amazing fact-based reporting. Uh, shout out to shout out to Science Sam, by the way. She's yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> I love Science Sam. One of my Toronto favorites. <laughs> um, you know, people like the space gal. Um, mm-hmm. there's there's so many to name. There, I know people are gonna be mad because like, why
0: didn't you say me?
2: <laughs> there's so many, but um, as a community of science communicators, when we up- uplift each other's work, it's amazing what we can do. You know, like I. Um, but I, I mainly work on helping people understand their identities and tying their identities in with science and understanding Ugh. science.
1: That's so freaking cool. That is amazing. So with your as you come near the end of your dissertation and PhD, like what do you think? life holds after that for you? Yeah, like, what's you coming up for you? What can you not say? Not that you need to have an answer, because also I'm like, I don't know what the hell I want to do with my life, so yeah. I'm not expecting yeah. like, that. Do question, not ask but... us. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going you to ask us back.
2: It's so hard. Like, I truly, my entire life have been carving out my own path for myself that, at this point, I've learned to not have any expectations <laughs> about, <laughs> about what the future holds, but I can say that I have a strong desire to teach science um, formally, like, at at a university. What university? I don't know because academia needs to get its act together. Um, (laughs) But I also would love to be an education consultant and teach science education strategies and pedagogy to people in higher education um, because we obviously have a lot of work to do there i um, continuing to make science music. I'm working on some media opportunities like on television and digital. Um, just really continuing to fill in the gaps and spaces where I'm needed, honestly. Um, so if anybody has any opportunities, uh, hit me up.
1: For real. (laughs) Um, It's like, can we make music together ever? Yeah, 100%. Especially as the world comes back to normal, I'm like, I just want to, like, make music with people. And I don't really... Not that I don't have friends who make music, but I don't... There's not a lot of people in the science world that, like, like making music. And you're both
3: so talented. You guys need to make a a song.
1: I would love to. Honestly, if you're ever down, like, I would absolutely love to do that. I have
2: so many ideas for music videos. Like, I'm just... I just need somebody to say go, like with a budget. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'll be the,
3: the bus- manager of you too. I'll be like, come yeah. on, come on, kids, <laughs> make them eat. I can, I can make this happen.
1: Yay. Oh yeah. I know what a weird, what a weird world though in a life and job to be like in science communication. Do you find that sometimes? Like, I feel like we kind of found ourselves here. Yeah. Do your like, friends
3: like know what you do? Like, we kind of <laughs> just like. Hang out with people and let them like. And if you like, say Hi. science communicator to people on the street, their eyes glaze over.
2: It's like, do people I, get it? I think it's funny to listen to my friends describe what I do to other people because, like, we'll be at a dinner and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, my friend Raven, you know, she's like the freaking um, Nicki Minaj and fucking Bill Nye." I'm like, what are you saying? I'm like, what are you that saying? And then, <laughs> then they'll like pull up my YouTube videos, like my music videos, on the phone and make people watch them. I'm like, please stop. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> right here. Oh, that's the word. <laughs> I know. I'm like the Nicki Minaj of Bill Nyes. Is, is the how, Nicki Minaj but it works us. in a way. I mean, yeah, it helped. It does help describe at least a part
3: of what you do. People say about us they are just like, you're the gay Bill Nye. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, who oh, does like, that?
2: Always...
1: Oh. <laughs> so many people say that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why? Why does Bill Nye have to be the standard for all of this? Exactly,
1: because he's like one of the only famous science communicators. Uh, like there are others, but it is weird but that there th- are you're right. As as we
3: push what we're working on, it will no longer be that.
1: Yeah, and you know what's interesting about Bill Nye is that like he's obviously like very quirky and interesting, but he is like a very unique human being. And, mm-hmm. and I think going to your point of like being yourself. And like, I'm sure like he obviously still fits the mold. Much yeah. He's like than, a, like, a like white man. <laughs> 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 but I like mean, like as a person, it's interesting that he is eccentric and he is like, I, he seems authentic. He seems like mm. he's himself and that he's oh, yeah. not trying yeah, so yeah. hard and he doesn't have like, he, he isn't like, he doesn't have a PhD in like science. I don't think like, and that's no shade. I'm just saying like, you don't like people could have looked down on him for a long time. I'm sure he had to face that. Um, so I, it's just nice to be like, it's interesting that the one of the main examples of science communicators we're thinking of at least has like some eccentricity and maybe that's what made people connect with him so strongly.
2: Yeah, he's, he's, he's really dope. Like I love that he's not afraid to speak out on his mm-hmm. values and connect his values to science. That's something that I love doing as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think that like the public generally shouldn't hold us up to the same expectations. Like one time I think someone was trying to tone police me and saying, they were like, well, Neil Tyson wouldn't say that. I'm like, well, I'm not Neil Tyson. Yeah,
3: it's not, I know yeah, totally. I'm it not. shows you that there yeah, there's so much there's so actually so much opportunity in our field because it's actually so narrow. And that you notice that when all people can really call on is Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye. These people who've been doing it forever, who are in a completely different world than us, that it's like that they're still being called on is a sign of I think such an opportunity for all of us. I, is the best way to look at it and then also brings up a lot of the challenges because it's true it's like what yeah like we got what? compared to bill nye all the time which is like insane because i have nothing <laughs> in common really with bill <laughs> nye honestly
2: <laughs> it's fine it's fine i'm sure i mean people say these things i think i mean aside from the tone policing that i just described i think that people comparing us to bill nye's a favorable thing
1: yeah, right. definitely. Like sure. at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, okay, fine. Like the two of the most famous science communicators, like the world has ever known. <laughs> exactly. And like, that's who you want to compare me to, and then I can just take that and turn it into my version of. It. At least give me like Miss Frizzle or something. <laughs> oh yeah, right. I
2: love that. Love Miss Frizzle. Imagine
3: Miss Frizzle never would have said that.
2: Miss <laughs> Frizzle icon. would have
3: said that. Miss Frizzle is a freak, and like I can only imagine what Miss Frizzle said when wasn't on the camera. You know what I mean? <laughs> miss frizzle was into crazy yeah shit. she was she was radical yeah miss frizzle was like definitely like definitely poly pansexual for sure <laughs> not that that's freaky or anything i'm just saying like yeah she like, was, yeah, she was alt, alternative Wait, queen
2: i want to know the thought process <laughs> behind miss frizzle's sexual identity
3: <laughs> i'm just like you know what i mean i'm like when i think of miss frizzle i'm like that is an alternative queen that yes! is someone who like the cameras were rolling. They're like, you're on a kid's show, and she did everything she needed to do. I'm just saying. <laughs> the cartoon camera. Uh, in
1: and in she, But even on the show, she was, like, progressive. Yeah. She was, like, you know, they were doing stuff that other teachers wouldn't have done. They went in the butt. No problem up the butt. She was
3: like, if you're questioning even being in the butt, why are you questioning thinking about being in the butt? That's all I have to say. I love it. Miss Frizzle, a queer icon.
2: A fashion icon. A fashion icon. A fashion icon. A fashion icon.
3: So For thank real. you so much. Where can people find you? Is it is it Raven Science Maven everywhere or?
2: How um, does it work? so I'm Raven the Science Maven on Instagram and cool. on YouTube. I am on TikTok at Science Maven and mm. on Twitter at Raven Sci Maven. Yeah, I did not think this through when I started. <laughs> no, no, those
3: house. all those all relate. <laughs> we'll like link to everything and all of the socials that we post of you. We're obsessed with you we are gonna definitely work together whether it's on a song first or in other capacities and once we're out of this mess we're gonna hang out
2: (laughs) yeah you guys are i don't know are you You guys are in canada we Um, are yes i'm like right i'm almost in canada i can see canada right there wait where are you yeah i'm in buffalo Oh, oh my god, we're a- literally like yeah. gonna hang out sooner than people think.
3: <laughs> yeah. Just open that border. You'll oh probably get god. the vaccine before us. Though, that is so like cool. So I signed vaccines.
2: up for my vaccine appointment yesterday oh my gosh. congrats
3: we're gonna be swimming to buffalo soon together yeah. uh i'm american
2: <laughs> good luck swimming over here because it's like yeah. you're gonna go over niagara falls <laughs> <laughs> they're like you're like it's worth it, it.
3: <laughs> science communicator dies in niagara falls not realizing how streams and rivers and lakes work
2: <laughs> i freaking love it oh i wanted to shout out um smarty pants my clothing line oh, yes uh, so I started a clothing line, it's called Smarty Pants, and it really aligns with my goals as a science communicator because I want to continue disturbing the image of a scientist and what what that popular image is in America um, by providing clothes that are science related but kind of go against the grain of what we normally talk about. Like this shirt I have on, it says girls just want to have funding oh that's so that's so good
3: oh my god
2: (laughs) so stuff like that you know i have a lot of feminist things in my store a lot of things with rhinestones on it um just there's something for everyone honestly so that's smart people just go
1: to like smartypants.com kind of thing or where would they find it
2: well you want to go to smartypants.store um, and that will that will get you to my shop.
1: All right, okay, cool. We'll also post nice. about that. as well. And I want to know. Okay, wait. When when you like have a dissertation and finally like, do, do people are people able to see that ever? Like, Ew. Are able to- oh, no. Yes. <laughs> like, is there a way? Like, I'm so curious to like see and read about. We want to read
2: and- it. <laughs> yeah, you. You will. So I have to upload it to my school's website, and then it'll be available shortly after I graduate. But please don't. Please oh don't God. read it. No, I want to. I'm so cute. Don't well,
3: <laughs> we'll Buy the clothes and then read it. You're obviously pushing the clothes before the dissertation. That's so
4: funny.
5: Hold <laughs> oh up?